Good evening, Newark, and welcome back once again to our Friday Night with Friends. We are excited that today is Friday, October 2nd, 2020, and we're delighted to have you join with us once again. As you can see, I have Leela Cooper on with me, our executive pastor, and we have a very special guest tonight that we have been waiting to have on our broadcast for several weeks now, and due to different schedule conflicts and other things, we've had to reschedule a couple times, but it is finally here tonight, and we're excited for it, and I'm going to let Leela in introduce this special guest. And I think very quickly, you're going to realize this is someone who you're going to want to listen to and be excited about his burden and his missing and where he's coming. Lila, you're on mute. That could Let's be a problem. Again. <laughs> Let's start that again. Thank you for that, Desi. Well, tonight it is our uh, privilege to have Brother Jerry West with us. Um, he is, maybe I, you correct me if I'm wrong, a newly appointed or recently appointed uh, Metro Missionary to uh, Washington, D.C. You know that, that really hits home with me. That's my hometown. And uh, I share a burden uh, for that community, is put it like that. There's thousands and thousands of souls there and very little churches. And so I'm uh, particularly uh, excited about uh, Brother West and his family uh, going there to do the work of God. And so without further ado, Brother West, why don't you Take your liberties and share something about yourself and your family and as we kick this evening off. Sure, sure. Well, first, I just want to say thank you so much for the invitation to be with you all for the broadcast tonight. Uh, looking forward to being with you, even though it's just digitally and uh, wish that we could be with you in person. But uh, God's called our family, myself, my wife, Annie, and my two little boys, Parker and Bennett, and brand new little girl, Remy, who's four months old, uh, to Washington, D.C. And uh, so we are Metro Missionaries. The Metro Missions Program is the missions program of North American Missions with the United Pentecostal Church. And so it's very similar to global missions in that you travel North America prior to arriving on site and visit with churches, express your burden, and give them an opportunity to partner with you in what you're doing. So we're in that process. We've been traveling for a year this week, and it's quite a lengthy process. Unfortunately, uh, global missions, you almost you used to have to travel for two years, and now they've been able to shorten that. North American missions is trying to catch up to that. So uh, we're a year in our travel, and we're hoping, praying, believing that we're going to be able to be on site uh, by early summer of of 2021 so in the next uh, eight or nine months or so at at the longest so i'm excited to be with you tonight thank you so much for having me well, thank you thank you for that so you mentioned um the whole uh, the deputation process and, and we were very familiar with that from uh, from a world mission perspective and um i can imagine the expense involved with moving to to the dc area um I jokingly say to our congregation that the house we grew up in, in Northwest DC, I think my mom bought it for, oh, if I, I want to say somewhere around $17,000 back in the 70s. Uh, mm -hmm. That house recently sold, that same little house, for over $700,000. Um, yeah. That is, that is, un, that is mind blowing to me. DC is not exactly a cheap place to move to and start a church, is it? No, 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 no. And, you know, people who, who aren't from the area, mm -hmm. of course, the Northeast in general is very expensive. But for context, um, I pastored in Kentucky previously. And, um, you know, houses, apartments there would rent for about a dollar per square foot. So if you wanted to rent a 1,500 square foot place, you know, you're going to spend $1,500 at most um, in D.C., in an area that you'd feel comfortable living in, let's say Northwest DC as an example, very residential area, you could expect to pay $3 a square foot. So it'd be $4,500 a month. So it's astronomically expensive. And part of that is connected to the fact that it's such a small area, just 68 square miles, over 700,000 people live in the district alone. And they're anticipating that it's gonna to grow to 850,000 people by the year 2030. So not, not too wow. far in the future. And there's, they're not making any more land. So uh, homes are just 
getting more and more expensive. Uh, it's it's really it's hard to comprehend if if you don't have any context if you're not from the area. Sure, sure. So you mentioned that you passed it in Kentucky. Where are you from originally? So I'm from Kentucky. My wife's from Indiana, and uh, her and I we met at Indiana Bible College while I attended there. She was attending. Um, she was attending a university in Indianapolis at the time, and we moved back to Kentucky. I was a youth pastor for several years, and then I pastored in a, a city that's 40 minutes north of Nashville, mm-hmm. so on the state line of Kentucky and, and Tennessee, and we were pastoring there. Things were going well, but as I'm sure we'll get into a bit later, uh, I had an old burden for Washington, D.C. that developed over many years that reached the point where I had I had to do something. And mm-hmm. so we resigned the church just a little over a year ago and we started the process. So we're almost there. Wow. Wow. Have you, uh, now I'm curious, you mentioned that you, you've had this d- burden, you know, for the Washington DC metro area that's developed over the last several years. Yeah. I'm just wondering, did you, did you vacation there? Do you have family who live there? Did you, you know, work in a church in the DC. What is your connection to Washington DC? So so it goes back to a single trip that I took to the city with uh Pastor Paul Mooney. Um I was just out of Bible college and he organized a, a group to go there uh, in late um or early 2009 to meet with the Obama White House and uh so I went along on that trip, and while we were there on the trip, I was at dinner with Brother Staten, who was pretty new in D.C. At the time, maybe his church was just a couple years old, and there was a a young man that was helping in the church there that was sitting beside me at dinner, and he just mentioned that at the time there were 600,000 people in the city, and he said, we are the only English-speaking United Pentecostal Church in this city. And as soon as he said that, immediately I felt a heavy burden come over me. That's uh, really hard to express. And over so the next pause. several years. So, so pause. Yeah, just, sure. I just want you to repeat that one point. Make yeah. sure everybody caught it. This is 11 years ago. You're visiting the area on a trip. You're having dinner yeah. and someone else comments to you. It's an area of 600,000 people. I want to make sure I heard you correct. They said they were the only yeah. English-speaking United Pentecostal church in that 600,000 people yeah. area. Yeah, and, and, and the statistics haven't changed other than there's more people there now. There's still just the one English-speaking UPC church in the district, 700,000 people. You expand a bit, go uh, in, and include the area inside the Beltway. There's 1.8 million people and only two English-speaking United Pentecostal churches. So I like to say that it's an area that we embrace as tourists, but we have neglected as the church. So it's incredibly, incredibly underreached. Of course, the entire Northeast is um, the entire Northeast is underreached, but DC is chief among them in that there is almost no apostolic witnesses there. Yes, you you mentioned uh, Brother Staten. Um, I know he's moved around a few times uh, in the district. Uh, I tried to find his church one morning when I was in town, and I got there and it turned to be some little Buddhist place. I saw some little man coming out wrapped in his boot, and I'm like, this cannot be the place. Later, I found that he had moved, and I think um, actually sharing a a building. Uh, gosh, I can't remember one of the Catholic churches, I believe. Yes, yes, it's a Not- Catholic school, actually. And uh, and so now since the pandemic started, uh, they shut that down. Uh, and so they haven't been able to be back in the school. Um, but until the pandemic, that's where they were. They're looking for a new space now. Of course, as expensive as residential real estate is, commercial real estate is even even pricier. You know, I, I think. Uh, I think he told me that at one point they were renting that school one day a week, four hours a day, and were spending nearly $5,000 a month to rent that space. Wow. So 
it's yeah. just incredibly expensive. So when he was meeting, when they were meeting, they were meeting in the Northeast side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, they, and they've done an incredible work. They have a great group of people there. Uh, he is a hero among us. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, his willingness to leave his established church in Lexington Park and move to D.C., the way he expressed it to me was that he was tired of standing at street corners with young men who felt a burden, who were crying about their burden, and then they would get in a car and go home, and he wouldn't hear from them anymore. So he finally said, if no one else is going to go to D.C., I'll go. So he left the comfort of the church that he was pastoring mm-hmm. and has been digging out of work for the past 12, 13 years now. And so they've done a tremendous job, and and we are so much better. That city is so much better for it. But we need more than one church. And his in congregation, the of Columbia. That, that one congregation cannot reach the metro area by themselves. Right. 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 No way. So what is the plan? I, honestly, I, this is a curiosity, but I don't even know how, how do you even go about getting started? I mean, obviously, you know, prayer and and we know finance. Yeah. How, how do you even begin to carve out the work uh, from scratch that way? Yeah. So uh, it certainly it can't be underscored enough how important prayer is. And I do believe that what we're doing is strategic in that as we travel North America and we speak to churches, we enlist them in praying for our nation's capital. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I like to say this, that you've heard the statement that if you don't vote, you can't complain. Of course, the idea is if you don't mm-hmm. use your voice mm-hmm. when you can, then you shouldn't complain about what happens. Well, the church has a voice much more powerful than a vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's used in a prayer closet. So I tell churches all over, if you don't pray for Washington, D.C., don't complain about Washington, D.C. And so I believe that what we are doing is strategic, that God's put us in this moment to raise the awareness because a lot of people, they don't know how underreached DC is. So having so many people from across the nation pray for the city, I believe that that's going to prepare the soil for when we go and we begin to meet with people. Uh, So we're praying that God would allow us to meet key people in that city that would be able to come together to form a church. So our goal is to move to the city. Our target Uh, The areas that we're specifically targeting is Northwest and Southwest, and uh, and we want to meet people in that area. Our non-negotiable is to be inside the Beltway. We we are asking God to make the way for us to be inside the Beltway. Um, And so we want to meet people there. We're going to establish small groups, home Bible studies, and then we're going to find a place and launch. Uh, So along the way, we're going to need some miracles. And we need God to provide some divine appointments for us to meet people who are hungry. Mm-hmm. But I believe that God's already preparing the soil and that, great that when this faith. is said and done, it is. You know, mm-hmm. I think that everything you do for God is a walk by faith and that every step of faith is bigger than the one before. So in every part of my ministry that God has asked us to do something, it's required faith. And I thought, wow, this is a giant step of faith. Well, you find out that really it's just building endurance for a bigger step of faith. So outside of God's help, it can't happen. The city's too dark. There's too many forces against it. The enemy doesn't want an apostolic church in Washington, D.C., of all places. He doesn't want it in any city, obviously. But we're depending on God to do some miraculous things so that when we get to the end of the journey, we'll be able to look back and just say, look what the Lord has done. And so we believe that God's going to help us, and uh, we're excited. We're just excited. Absolutely. I, I'm going to pray that, well, obviously we want God to have his way, but if I have a, any say, I'm going to ask that God find you a place right in the heart of the district. Um, I, yes, I, I yes. And that's our prayer, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure that's our prayer, too. Offline or online, but I mentioned to you the whole, uh, the DMV is what they call it, uh, the district, Maryland and Virginia. Uh, those surrounding areas, they're all, all looked at as D.C., um, but mm-hmm. Lexington Park, you mentioned, which is, uh, you know, down uh, Southern Maryland, that's a good hike. You really can't call that, that D.C., and I'm sure that was Brother Staten's yeah. point in wanting to get in, in the city. Um, right. But 
that that's that's there's so many I, I there's so many souls and so yeah we'll be praying with you yeah Speaking in of- the metro area uh there are over six million people in in the metro and you're right most people uh you know most cities are so expansive as far as the city limits mm-hmm. that uh, it's really easy to wrap your mind around it the district is so small uh but if you talk to someone who lives 40 minutes away from the heart of the city, if you ask them where they live, they would most likely tell you D.C. Because you're right, that DMV area is very much the city. So eventually, we want to see apostolic churches in the entire metro. But we, we're praying that God would make a way for us to start at the heart and then work our way out. So it, when you're praying for what we're doing, make that a part of your prayer that God would open up the door for us to be right in the middle of where it's happening. So let me challenge our church family. Of course, we absolutely do want to pray for you, but not just for the West family. When you think of that area, you said something earlier and I saw someone in our chat even repeated your comment and it's worth repeating again. You said, if if you're not praying for Washington, D.C., we shouldn't be complaining about what happens in Washington, D.C. So now Newark family, not only do we of course, we should be praying for our nation's capital and our leadership. But now you are meeting, you know, a, a young man and his family who are specifically moving there to start a, a church. You can put a face and a name with those prayers for that area. And so we are thrilled to have you on our broadcast tonight and for our church family to get to meet you. If you watched with us, a, what, just two weeks ago when we had our general conference, you would notice that the Metro Missions Service, the North American Mission Service, mm-hmm. highlighted three families in particular that were going to metro areas. And if you remember, one of those was Jerry West and his family who were headed to Washington, D.C. Right. So in a kind of backdoor sort of way, our, our folks got to at least see your face <laughs> recently yeah, at our general conference yeah. broadcast because we played those broadcasts for our church. And so they were able awesome. to see that and get introduced to you. And I think if you don't mind, I want to use that segue to mention just before we started with this live broadcast, Leela and I were visiting with Brother West, and he mentioned another Metro missionary who's a friend of his who's going to Boston. And so why don't you say a quick word about him? And then afterwards, he has just a very short little video presentation that we want him to go ahead and share with us on our live broadcast. Absolutely. So uh, in March, and and I tell this story in the video, in March of last year, when we met the North American Missions Administrative Committee, seeking approval to be Metro Missionaries to D.C., we met a couple, uh, Todd and Ann Bauman, who were also pastoring in a more rural area, just like we were, and God had put a city on their heart. They were visiting uh, on vacation. They felt a burden. They thought perhaps that God had put the burden on their heart so that they could send someone. Uh, but God began to reveal that he was calling them there. So we met for the very first time then, but we believe that it's significant what God is doing, not just in Boston and, and in D.C., but of course Boston and D.C. are the ends of the Boston-Washington corridor, uh, which is home to one in five Americans, uh, and of course is one of the most underreached regions in the world. So what we felt like, and, and we made this video to express this, that God had called us to both ends, almost like at the gates of the region, to plant new churches there. And that God is going to give a great revival all over the entire Northeast. Of course, you all are there in the Northeast, so you you are aware of it in ways that people in other parts of the country are not. But But the Northeast is so connected. If you get in the car in DC and you drive for eight hours, you're in Boston. It's a very small area where in Kentucky, where I live, you could drive eight hours and had only crossed one other state. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to raise awareness for the great need in the Northeast. And we're praying that God would put these cities on people's hearts all across the nation, and that he would, A, send more people to the Northeast. Uh, For years, people have fled the cities, uh, 
And but we see, you know, obviously people have come back, but the church hasn't come back with them. So we're praying that God would call more people to the Northeast. But secondly, that God would lead people to prayer for the Northeast, because we believe that God can do through prayer what we can't do with money or even people. So I do have this quick video. I would love to share it with your congregation. So absolutely. Well, let's see if we can get it going here. It worked in our practice test. Now we're going to see if it works. We were pastoring in rural America when the cries of a region, a region with almost nothing in common with the ones that we called home, began reaching our ears. And so it was that our stories intersected at a moment last March outside of a meeting room in St. Louis. As both of our families responded to those cries by answering the call of God to the Northeast by becoming Metro missionaries with the United Pentecostal Church. Well, the areas we left behind have one United Pentecostal Church for every 19,000 people. The metro cities of North America only have one church for every 300,000 people, leaving them largely unreached. The Boston-Washington Corridor, the region that God has called us to, arguably the heart of our nation, is perhaps the darkest of all. This region, it serves as the epicenter of education, policymaking, and of our nation's economy, drawing millions to its cities. More colleges and corporations call it home than in any other area. But where is the church? In Boston, where is the church? In Washington, D.C., where is the church? There's only one church for every 700,000 people. They are cities we love as tourists, but we have neglected them as the church. I was told a story of Bishop Chester Wright praying for the region, and he asked God, why aren't you sending people to the Northeast? And he said that God spoke to him and said, I have called them, they won't come. But our families have answered that call, and we believe that God has called us at the same time for a specific purpose, planting us at either end of the Boston-Washington corridor at the gates of that region, as it were. And it is in these two corners that God is going to help us establish apostolic churches. But we can't do it alone. Ecclesiastes says that a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. We are the one strand having answered the call. As we have partnered together to reach the Northeast, we believe that God is calling churches to partner with us. Will you partner with us in prayer? Will you partner with us in monthly PIMs? We are going to start a church, but we don't need a church to show up in Boston and D.C. We need the United Pentecostal Church to show up in Boston and in D.C. If you want to find out more about how you can partner with our families, you can visit metromissions.faith. And together, we can be the church that reaches the Northeast. Oh, um, Brother Wes, as that video was going, I was thinking about, uh, you mentioned earlier, um, the we know the deputation process for missionaries going uh, outside of the U.S. And uh, we're also very aware here on our end of I am global, which is getting missions, missionaries back to the field very quickly in the foreign field. Do you know if there's any such talk initiative, uh, uh, you know, with our global mission department or our mission department, should I say, that that is talking about a way to expedite getting, you know, missionaries like yourself um, to their field within sure. the U.S.? Mm -hmm. There's your um, video, Desi. So Yes, yes. So um, in the North American Mission Service, the, the initiative that they were highlighting is called Cities Worth Saving. And mm -hmm. so they made an offering appeal there, and they've done that the past few years, and the intentions uh, with those funds is to do the same thing. I Am Global has been 
been a multi-year initiative that has resulted in uh, missionaries uh, cutting their deputation travel to six to eight months. So it's really <laughs> incredible. Uh, I So with Cities Worth Saving, the, the hopes are that that offering, as the numbers continue to come in, that that will expedite. And when I use the time frame, uh, I don't know if we were live when we were discussing this or not, mm-hmm. late spring, early summer, that's in anticipation for that offering helping us finish sooner. Prior to that offering, uh, the the plan was to have to travel for two years. So if if that offering does what we're praying that it will do, then uh, then it could cut about six months off of the travel. So we're we're anxiously praying, hoping, and believing that that is going to happen, and that we're going to be able to be on site. Uh, by May or June. So, um, so pray with us that, um, and, and people are still watching that, that service, um, not having it in person has affected the offering, uh, as you can imagine, but people are still watching it and people are still giving to that initiative. So we're, we're hopeful and optimistic that, um, that it's going to be a difference maker for us. So, uh, cities worth saving is the I am global of North American missions. That's great to hear. So that timeline is even, even with with that expediting things, we will definitely be. It is yes. Agreeing with you, yeah. Wow. So what other challenges? I know we talked about we talked about the financial challenges and, and um, you know of moving to a metro city uh, such as DC. Um, in anything that may not be obvious to us. Um, that may be a particular challenge in getting there other than, you know, uh, you know, finances obviously are one of the tremendous challenges. Uh, Of course, we know that money is not an issue to God. So the finances don't keep us up at night by any stretch, but our prayer I think is, as Jesus said, pray for laborers. Um, And so we're praying and we ask you to pray with us that God would lay it on people's hearts. Uh, perhaps that uh, I felt a burden for DC. I talked to a pastor and his wife just a few weeks ago who told me that they uh, to, talked to the pastor. And he said that he and his wife have felt a burden for DC. And mm-hmm. so they're praying about maybe what their next steps are. Sure. And that, and that God would lead us to people very quickly in the city, maybe backsliders, maybe people with some sort of, experience where they would be open to truth and that there would be conversions quickly so that those people could form a team that would help us establish a church. We believe that we need a team of laborers in order to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. So that's going to be the biggest challenge uh, because the hurdles that we face, other people who maybe don't live in the city now, they will face that challenge if God is calling them there so that God would open the doors for them but also that he would connect us to people in the city who would be key families, foundational for us to establish a church. Uh, We don't believe that the most effective way to establish a church is for one family to move into a city and try to do it on their own. So we need people to partner alongside us. And so make that part of your prayer. That that's our greatest concern, our greatest challenge. It's going to be finding people that will come alongside us and help us in the journey. Absolutely. Yeah, that the labors are truly few. Uh, I know yes, we, yes. we have um, a daughter work in Wilmington that started, well, they partially started from us, but they also had services in, in a lady's house for years, and they built up a stable congregation and then finally moved to a building. And so, uh, I can see something like that perhaps being effective in that in that in that DC area. We're definitely going to pray that God will yes. see some some key families, as you said, um, that yes. will be a base to get things started. Right. Well, and of course, we talked about just the expense of uh, renting space to have service, mm-hmm. do all of those things. Well, people that we reach that who live in the area, they already have valuable real estate that they live in, in their homes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we believe that part of winning a city is winning territory. 
one parcel at a time. Uh, mm-hmm. So more important than having a big church building, we need to have homes where people are being converted in, dynamic small group ministry, uh, where conversions are happening. And so if God would do that, the church could be a whole lot bigger than a building that we could afford. Yes. And so we believe that that's going to be a key component to the revival that God has for D.C. and for all of our cities. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think we're having some technical issues with our Facebook, but our YouTube is still going strong. Uh, church, this is we're coming up on the 730 point. If you have questions for our Brother West, uh, be sure to put them in our chat and preface them with the word question. And I will do my best to feed him those questions and get his response. Well, I think Desi's probably putting out a fire trying to get things back up on the Facebook side. <laughs> so I am looking from my end. If you have a particular uh, question for Brother West, uh, be sure to put it in uh, in the chat. And uh, I'll, I will feed that to him. Uh, the other thing I, as I'm waiting for questions to pop, be, I, I recall from the district, um, growing up there, I know that it's a very, maybe the word is racially polarized city. Um, very stark lines, uh, at least when I was growing up. Uh, when I tell my people here that when we grew up in Northwest, for example, um, elementary school, there were 100% Black teachers, 100% Black students. Um, middle school, maybe you broke up a little bit in terms of teachers, but still uh, one race, and, and also in high school. So I know that was a, that was a big issue then. There were very divided lines um, of, of race. And, and I know the city is, way, is, is much more diverse now. Uh, I mentioned to you my, the neighborhood I grew up in, I go back now and it's, it's just, it's mind boggling to see different people because you just saw it one way for so long. And uh, there's a whole issue with uh, the gentrification and, and you know, of, of, of the city. And that's a big deal uh, to, to the residents of, of the district. And again, further challenges, but we know God is up to it. We understand right. God is no respected person, but that um, is a hurdle. Have you had any, um, what is your thought about that? And, and uh, you know, I know that may be the case, even all up and down this, this Northeast uh, that you talked about earlier. Sure. Sure. So, you know, DC is unique in that uh, in the sixties, uh, you had the race riots there in the mm-hmm. city. And um, so the climate in the district, uh, as you said, very polarized. Mm-hmm. And uh, time has changed that significantly where, like you said, North e- Northwest uh, is very diverse now. Mm-hmm. The world really has come to D.C. Uh, I read somewhere once that there are 150 languages spoken in homes in the city every night. So there is a vast number of people who have come from all over the world. And certainly gentrification is an issue uh, just with the pricing in the city, what that has done, how that has pushed, how that has pushed lower income families into a certain part of the city. Um, And, and, you know, I look in every area that, that we have explored, um, I look at the makeup of the schools and yeah. uh, it's definitely changed in that. Uh, now it's, I would say that there are more African-Americans in the city than any other group of people, but it's changing dramatically over time. And I think that as people have blended together, it seems to be, uh, also, you have the fact that people come from all over all over the mm-hmm. U.S. to live there. You, oh. you ask people where they're from there in the city, they'll tell you everywhere but the city. It's hard that's to right. meet someone who says, I grew up in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's not really how it is. So I think that some of those uh, some of those issues where things were so stark, uh, where the lines were so drawn and you don't go to that side. Uh, I think that that has blended away with time. And I believe that the Holy Ghost is going to help that even further. Uh, Bishop Staten told me a story about how he was preaching a funeral. Uh, A lady who attended the church called him and asked him to preach a funeral for uh, her son who was in a gang. 
and uh, it was in Southeast DC. And so he went and when he showed up, the funeral director told him, said, preacher, they are going to kill you today. Uh, And he said, they're not going to kill me. And uh, he went in and he was perfectly fine. So I think the enemy would like to try to convince us that revival isn't possible uh, because of a myriad of reasons. We've got to we've got to neglect that and say, you know, the the Holy Ghost can do anything. But God, that's right. That's right. That's right. I I know he can do it. I I, I really do know. Uh, I share my testimony with our congregation uh, all the time. When I moved here from the district in 1994, um, I I had been coming back and forth here to visit some some friends and family for years. But when I I moved here in 94 uh, and I was invited to Newark, uh, UPC, and I remember walking in the door of the church and I, I was stunned. I mean, it was, you know, there was a white pastor and there was, there was a, there was a diverse congregation, um, but to, to attend a church that had a white pastor was a violation. I mean, it, it just, it just was. And I, I, I didn't know what to do. There were people speaking in tongues. I had no experience with that whatsoever. I grew up in the Baptist church uh, that I mentioned to you. And so I was just dumbfounded uh, at, at this, at this congregation. Uh, and I went up at the, at the end of the service um, just sort of, you know, herd mentality. Everybody went up for altar call, so I just I didn't want to stand out because this was all weird, you know, people and all this expressive worship and speaking in tongues, and I'm just, I just want to blend in, and I just want to get out of here and never come back. Mm-hmm. And I remember kneeling at the altar, and the presence of God just blew me away. I had never yeah. felt the presence of God like that, ever. Uh, and I, I left, you know, there are a bunch of quacks, but I could not deny the experience at that altar. That, yeah. and I believe God for everybody. I've been there ever since. That was uh, October, I believe, of 19, 1994. And I believe God can break down all those barriers. And, and I, yes. I, I yes. believe he will. There are you know, people that are hungry for God and he's gonna make a way for them. So I, I will most definitely be agreeing with you that God will, will make a way. He's done it already in, yes. in other cities and in other, places so no need to think anything different about about dc absolutely god's god's gonna help so leela i'm still here this is disembodied voice desi i just (laughs) i turned off my camera was dealing with some other issues and so we have had some questions come in and i'm going to try and group some of these together i wanted to start with what i thought brother west you might enjoy we had one of our young people in the church and they wrote in a question and they asked how old do you have to be to become a missionary? So, well, I would first say that you can be a missionary and you should be and are called to be a missionary wherever you are, whatever Excellent. age you are. And that I was hoping uh, mission that. starts at home. <laughs> yeah. So mission starts at home. If you want to be a metro missionary or. A so I know this young ladies in middle you school start by being at home. So even okay, in middle school, yeah, then you can start doing things, huh? Start, start a P7 club. Um, find some friends. Teach them a Bible study. Uh, that's how you start to be a missionary. And it, and God will teach you through that experience and equip you for what he has in the future. So start uh-huh. now where you are in the environment that you're in, loving people, reaching people, and God will make you a missionary. Excellent. Um, another question that came in from our church family was the question, because you're working with North American missions and right now you're on deputation uh, and it's very similar, but a little different than the way our global missions works. Once your family actually arrived in the Washington DC metro area, um, will you be bivocational? Are there NAM funds to help you get started where you can put your full-time focus directly on starting a church? How does, how does that work? in your case as a so, metro missionary. So Metro Missions Metro Missions is unique uh, in that it's it is patterned like global missions. So when you move on site, you are for five years uh, you receive funding for yourself personally and for your assembly that you're trying to start. That way you can have five years of focus directly on reaching souls in the area. So 
Matter of fact, it's against policy to to work a job bivocationally mm. uh, full time while while being on site on Metro Mission status. So we would be fully funded um, to to live and plant in the city. Well, that's I'm glad to hear that. It's going to be you will face enough challenges when you first get there without also right. having to find work immediately. Right. Yeah, it takes one of the hurdles away. Um, as expensive as the city is to live, oh, yeah. if you were trying to fund your family and your work from secular employment, you would not have any time to reach people. Uh, you, it would be very limited. So it's a very targeted approach where you throw everything at it for five years because after five years, the funding's done. And so yeah. you have to you have to make up a lot of ground in five years. So it's it's an incredible program for that for that reason. And we're targeting cities that are that are under reach that uh-huh. uh, there aren't churches there already. So um, it's it's not the right um, program for every city, but for a city like D.C. where there's only one church. If people could just go there by vocationally and plant churches, they would have already done it. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to combine two questions that came in, um, and you can try to answer them together. One of the questions asks, in in addition to our prayers, are there other ways, you know, that we can help and support? I, I You've mentioned, let me be more precise, you've mentioned prayers and finance. So in addition to those two, are there other ways we can be helping and support and then another question that came in, we would imagine for your family, especially you mentioned coming from, you know, a more rural area, pastoring in Kentucky, there's likely going to be at least somewhat of a cultural shift moving, I would sure. think, from Kentucky into the Washington, D.C. area. And so how can churches in the surrounding region, like ours, for example, um, help and be a support? Sure. So I would first say, um, you know, I'm very thankful for this church specifically, because while I was unable to deputize through your district while uh, on deputation due to COVID, it was one of the weeks that we were shut down. Um, Pastor Beardsley partnered with us as a monthly partner. So Newark UPC is a monthly partner already. And so I want to say thank you so much to Pastor Beardsley and to this church for supporting us monthly uh, as a partner. And so that, that moves, that moves us one step closer to getting where God has called us as to uh, some of the challenges coming from a rural area to Metro area. Certainly that can't be understated. uh, That is, that is significant. Of course, what we know is that people are people and, um, and their experiences, their emotions, those things are the same. Their needs are the same. And so we, we believe that God's going to equip us to help us in those ways. And as I stated earlier, D.C. is unique in that no one's actually from there. Um, obviously, Except there Mila. are people from there. <laughs> right. So, so they're coming from rural areas. Right, right. And, and, now, and now, look, she, she's right. so far away. Uh, so everyone has such a unique experience, not only – are they not from D.C., but in some cases they're not from America. So it is a great melting pot. So I think that some of the challenges that you would face in some cities are different than what you would face in D.C., and that everyone has that experience that they're not from here. So uh, I think that gives us an advantage as, uh, advantage as opposed to if we were coming from Kentucky to – Boston even, or New York City, where um, when I visit there, my accent stands out so distinctly. I was in Minnesota traveling uh, two weeks ago, and everywhere I went, people were asking me where I was from. When I visit D.C., no one asked me where I'm from. They, they know I'm not from there, that I'm from somewhere other than there, but they are too. So that is unique. But as far as other ways that um, – that your church could help us. Of course, prayer can't be understated. Your monthly support means so much. Obviously, you know, we'll have projects uh, that we'll be raising funds for, and your church could prayerfully consider partnering with, with us in those ways. 
but also as we get into the process of launching, perhaps if God would lay it on this church's heart to come and canvas the city with prayer one day or help us with an outreach endeavor uh, one weekend, then that would be tremendous. We, we make a statement, Todd and I, of course, Todd made it in that video. We don't just need a church in Washington, D.C. or in Boston. We need the United Pentecostal Church there. So while you may not be there seven days a week, you could certainly be there monthly through your support, daily through your prayers, but then sporadically through your time. And while we're getting started, we're going to need to canvas the city. So perhaps God would lay it on your all's heart to uh, to consider something along those lines. So that's that's a way that you could partner with us additionally other than just prayer and finance. Thank you. And I appreciate those suggestions. And let me see. Our, there we go. Camera's back. Hey, I'm still here. I was never gone. My face just disappeared for a while. Thank you for standing by. Um, we've had some unusual challenges tonight with our broadcast that we don't normally face. One of the other questions that came in, since you talked about the fact that it seems like almost nobody's from there, you know, you get all these people who are coming from this all these different other areas. You'd mentioned that there is one English speaking church within the DC proper area. Um, do we have right. other languages that are represented as the United Pentecostal Church? Yes, we do. We have, um, there's a Spanish work in the city um, for the Garza. It's a work out of Living Hope and they have an incredible church there. Um, they are in the Columbia Heights area, and and so they have a great work. Now, outside of the city, inside the Beltway, uh, there are a few Spanish works as well. So we do have a few Spanish congregations. I'm not aware of any other yeah. uh, languages represented, uh, but I do know there are those few Spanish works. And in the metro, there are several Spanish works. So we've had revival uh, among the Spanish um, community uh, in, in the D.C. area, so we're thankful for that. But and that is great. But other even than, putting other than all that, that sure. together, like you were saying, seven hundred thousand people, and you take, including you, you know, you take a couple English-speaking congregations and a handful of Spanish-speaking congregations, and that's that's still not a lot of Apostolic Pentecostal United Pentecostal right. Church congregations in that area. <laughs> so. It's certainly an area that is underreached compared to many other places in the United States and Canada. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, and so kind of with that, we were curious. We had another question that come in that asked, are the believers who are in the D.C. metro area, it, do you see them predominantly in one area or are they kind of scattered throughout the city? Or you mentioned you were going to start in this one area. How, how does that work? What do you what do you think is going to end up happening as you get going? So I, I think it's similar to many cities. As uh, families grow, they're forced into the suburbs um, for mm -hmm. space, uh, various reasons. So I would say that uh, Bishop Staten's congregation is scattered throughout the area. Uh, I don't have enough um, in-depth knowledge of where everyone's from there, but just the ones that I've communicated with as I visited his church, they seem to be throughout the area. Uh, just as time moves on, people move further out. They want a yard. They don't want to live in the apartment anymore. Various things of that nature. Um, so I, I think you reach people wherever you are. And so we want to we want to start in the city, reaching people around there, and then our hope is that they will begin reaching people outside. So we want to be a metro church. Uh, the challenge is people who don't know truth, they're not going to drive a great distance to find it. Uh, so if there's not a church in their community, or if there's not someone in that community who knows the truth that can reach them, then then they're not going to be reached. So I think we need to have as many churches and as many people in these communities as possible to give them a chance. Otherwise, if we just go right out in the suburbs, then we're basically saying to everyone who lives in the district, good luck, you know, hope God gives you a divine revelation. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's kind of, that's our thought. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so 
again, thinking of a very, very urban inner city environment. We had another question that came in that asked, what similarities, you know, besides the challenges of it being more expensive, do you see in missions to a metro area in North America that might be similar, almost like reaching other big cities in other parts of the world? I mean, we tend to, as a, as a denomination, uh -huh. traditionally, we've thought of missions, I know, especially when I was a kid, that's everywhere else, you know, outside of North yeah. America. And, right. and it's been, as I've been an adult, which is positive, we've seen a shift come back and say, wait, 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 we've got these huge urban populations right here in the United right. States. We also need it. But uh -huh. do you see similarities in trying to reach an urban area here in the United States? I, I think so, for sure. You know, it's um, one thing I like to say is while we are reaching the world, we're losing our cities. And there has been a great focus toward reaching the world and toward global missions. And that doesn't need to stop. We need to continue sending global missionaries. Um, I believe the church is the hope of the world. But when we look at our cities, I think that's why there seems to be so little hope in our cities and among those people, because there's no church there. So in reaching the world, I believe that we, as the church in North America, we have pacified ourselves by saying, okay, we're supporting global missions. We're reaching the world, but we've overlooked our cities because they seem wicked. They seem, you know, it's like if you're in a rural church, you're like, those people are liberal. They're, you know, they don't want God. You think of all kinds of reasons, yeah. but we do have to turn back to our cities and focus on reaching them in tandem with reaching the world. And as far as the similarities, I think they are numerous because while you go across the world, you'll find people who haven't heard of Jesus, who don't really know anything about him. The reality is we were, my wife and I were teaching a Bible study to uh, a neighbor in rural Kentucky who uh, was uh, a practicing Hindu. And she had a Bible in front of her and I, I pointed to a particular scripture and she didn't know how to find it. So there are people in our cities just yeah. like her multiplied Absolutely. who they, they don't know him and They're they pass the church all the time, but they don't know. Him. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That reminds me of a story when I uh, was working at the local hospital, we had a uh, volunteer, volunteer teenagers come in and there was a little boy from, uh, he's a teenager from India. His name was Josh. And he would come to my office and talk on his breaks. And, you know, one, one day we were talking and I don't know, the subject of Jesus came up and he goes, I think I've heard that name before. I was dumbfounded because we assume as Americans that everybody at the very least has heard the name of Jesus, but it was a distant, maybe somewhere in my lifetime, I've heard that name before. And that was a, yeah. that was an education for me. I, I, I was dumbfounded that here in America, there are people that haven't heard the name of Jesus. You know, we talked about this being a melting pot. And like I said, there are people here from all over the, all over the world and, uh, different uh, faiths and backgrounds. And so, yeah, we can't make that assumption. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's turn to a lighter question, if that's all right. We had someone ask, well, I, obviously you feel this burden, your wife's with you in this, and you guys are going, where are your kids in this process? What do they think about the idea of moving to Washington, D.C.? Well, they love it. Um, of course, <laughs> it's only been in the context of us visiting there. And so uh, they're very excited. My son Parker is seven. Yeah. And uh, he, he told me a few weeks ago, he wants to be the first person to be baptized in the church in Washington, D.C. And so they, they're excited about it. Bennett, uh, my five-year-old, he talks about D.C. all the time. Um, of course, it's going to be completely different for them than they imagined. Uh -huh. But it's also a great city. You have all of these museums that are free. Uh, the National Zoo um, is free. We Your visited the National Zoo. children should not Zoo. struggle with learning uh, history. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. So, yeah. so they're excited, of course. You know, they can't fully comprehend what God has called us to do. But, uh, but, but they're, they're on board. They're ready to go. Of course, they don't have a choice. We're taking them. Tupelo <laughs> won't accept them. That's right. Let me ask you a question. Did you guys homeschool? 
You know, uh, no. So while they're in Indianapolis, they're attending Calvary Christian School, okay. uh, which is a, a great, great program. When we were in Kentucky, uh, they attended public school. Uh, their teacher actually attended our church in Kentucky, hmm. in a small community, okay. about 10,000 people. Uh, they're in the community where everyone knows everyone. And so they attended, they attended public school there. Uh, I, I attended public school. My wife attended public school. Now, D.C. public school yeah. is going to be a little different. So you have to make some decisions and navigate that once you get there. huh? Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that, that's one of those bridges we're going to cross when we get there. We get there. there are a lot of great there are a lot of great schools uh, there, you know, Christian schools, whatnot. But everything's so expensive. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. So so we'll see. You'll have to figure that My out. My wife is an elementary teacher, though, so so oh, she would be up to the her. task. Yeah. yeah, great. Gotcha. What grade did she teach? She has taught multiple grades. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, okay. second, third, fifth. Gotcha. So all over. So it. She's most of them. School teacher. Yes, understood. So we are coming to the top of the hour, and our time with you is almost up. I wanted to just jump in, if I can, for a moment to our church family and address a couple things. Number one you know, if you are a member of our church, that we have a heartbeat for missions. And that's how we say it at our church is missions, Mm -hmm. because for us locally, it is a global umbrella. And if you've heard our senior pastor, Stephen Beardsley, ever talk about this, he describes missions as anything outside of our local context. Mm -hmm. And so you just heard our Metro missionary, Brother Jerry West tonight, thank our church for being one of the churches that is supporting him and his family as they get ready to move to Washington, D.C. and do this. And so I just want to take this quick little plug to tell you once again, thank you. When you give to missions monthly, because we just take a missions offering, but when you give to missions, it supports many, 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 many different programs, all kinds of things that happen outside of our local congregation. And yes, often you hear us talk about missionaries who are global missionaries, those outside of the United States, those outside of Canada, North America. But your missions giving also includes Metro missions. It also includes, and I I won't get into it right now, many other um, support organizations connected with the UPCI that we help to support with our financial giving. So when you think missions, it's not just overseas. It most certainly is that, but it's also many other things. And tonight you are getting to meet another one of our missionaries. We, Brother West, we love having missionaries come visit our church. We're big, huge mission supporters. And so tonight for us, there's really no difference between you coming and being with us on this broadcast and us having a missionary from somewhere in Central Africa or in Asia or anywhere else. You're doing missions. And so Newark family, thank you for continuing to support missions. You just have another face now to associate with what you're doing. Missions is missions. And when you give to missions, when you give to things that support endeavors outside of our local church, you give to all kinds of things in God's kingdom, Brother West and his family being some of the recipients of that. The other thing, and and this I get to harp on because I'm the Connections Pastor, and so small groups fall under my umbrella. And our church has had active small groups for over three years now. We have them all over our area, the whole church. We encourage to participate in small groups. I don't know if you caught it, but he said some wonderful things tonight about the fact that going to a place, especially think a metro area like Washington, D.C., the first thing he's going to do, they're not looking to immediately purchase a building or do something like that. They need to connect with people. They need to share meals with them and do Bible studies, and then they need to start in people's homes. In essence, what he was describing was small groups. I think you might have even said that word at one point. Mm-hmm. And so to our church family, if you are not in a small group, you should be in a small group. We've been talking about this for years by now. But in those small groups, bring your coworkers, bring your classmates, bring your neighbors. This is how you actively locally can connect people with the gospel. This is how you can connect them with our church. Right now, we're online. As you well know, we haven't resumed our in-person services. So the bar for bringing your friend, coworker, neighbor, fellow classmate, etc., to a small group is the lowest it has ever been because they don't even have to leave their home. 
All they have to do is join one of our online small groups. If you want information about that, you can, of course, find all of that information on our website at newarkupc.info. And on that website, as you hear us say in most of our broadcasts, you can find information about baptism requests, submitting prayer requests. You can partner with us in giving, such as missions. You can join an online small group. And so if you are joining us for the first time and you've never heard this before, we welcome you to the broadcast. We're so excited you're with us. If you hear me every Friday night, then you've heard this many times, but come connect with us on newarkupc.info. Come join a small group. We are delighted to have you on this broadcast. We broadcast six days a week, Tuesday through Sunday. We're off on Mondays. That's our Sabbath day. The pastoral staff takes that day off. But other than that, we're online and we're active six days a week. Brother West, thank you once again so much for joining us tonight, giving us this hour of your time. It is a pleasure to meet you and to spend some time with you. And I know you weren't able to meet all of our congregation in person, but they are watching as we broadcast this on YouTube and Facebook. And we've got multiple people right now. I'm looking in the comments saying thank you and thank you for coming and talking to us and sharing with us. Can I just just jump in really quick? I know we're but I do want to ask the congregation just as we normally do if we were in service and we had a missionary I want to ask you guys to pray and ask God you know it uh you know what he would like you to further contribute we are supporting um brother West and his and his family uh in this endeavor to Washington DC but if you uh feel so moved to give a particular um, additional contribution you can you know as usual, you can send your check and write DC missionary in it. You can go to Rebel. You can do it online there. through yeah, our church website, and it's got a memo line. You can put it yeah. in the memo there. Yeah, or you go to the other. You know how it's ties offerings. Mm-hmm. Go to other and put DC missionaries, and you can designate your offering to uh, to the West family. So that it's always in order to do that. So do pray as normal, and and as God leads you, give and support this family because the mission is is great, and the people there there are many people as he said without a church who who need to hear this great gospel. Absolutely. So church family, thank you once again for joining us tonight. We appreciate you being on the broadcast with us. God bless you all and have